Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller, and alongside me today for this very short uh, but sweet podcast is Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm all right. How's yourself? Very good. Thank you very much. Nice and warm, but not too warm like it was uh, on Monday and Tuesday. But you know, comfortably warm. How's it up in Scotland? Uh, I think we had it was around about the thirties, but for Scotland it's quite high. I mean, we broke a record for the highest temperature in Scotland as well as you guys. But I think the hottest was forty point two, and Heathrow I read down yeah, the it, it was 39, 38 or 39 in my area last night. It was so, so hot. But the rain came and cooled it down a little bit, which is good. Although that rain was only here for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got a couple of minutes yesterday. Uh, but it's only sitting at around the 18 degree mark here now today. But it's nice, bearable. It's bearable. There's not a lot of wind, but it makes it feel warmer than it actually is. Anyway, enough about the weather. Let's uh, talk about the Grand Prix that we're going to have this weekend. We are heading over to France, which ordinarily is uh, one of your favourite tracks, isn't it, Coots? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it kind of shows you how extraordinary last season was when we actually had a pretty exciting French Grand Prix uh, last year. Um where, uh, you know, it was very much cat and mouse. Uh, if memory serves me right, it was Red Bull that chased down the Mercedes past them on track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched, the, I watched the very short highlights reel, uh, of U- the YouTube highlights reel from last year, uh, and Verstappen did um, qualify uh, on, on, on pole uh, last year, but uh, soon lost his... Um, lead pretty much pretty much after the start because he went off track on one of the turns um and then how which allowed hamilton through so then it was kind of like a cat and mouse game of of get back and forth and the strategy and whatnot and uh red bull pulled it out at the end kind of gave gave verstappen the fresh tires for him to overtake um so yeah it, it was it, it was an exciting for france an exciting race um again it was it was more on strategy excitement than on track action though there were a couple of kind of overtakes um but even in the seven minute highlight reel on on the on the f1 youtube channel it was more about pit stops than anything else so i mean it was an exciting race we 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 did enjoy it we 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 all said we enjoyed france last year so let's not knock it 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 was a good race um but let's let's hope they give us an exciting one this year eh? well you can, all, you can all but hope. I mean, there's not been too many that have been boring completely. Mm. There has been moments in races where it's a bit, you know, and then something happens. So generally speaking, there has been something, especially with these new regulations. So 
you know, here's hoping. But, you know, if any race is going to be boring, it's going to be the French Grand Prix. <laughs> mm-hmm. So before we go into our French Grand Prix preview, um, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, you are listening to us on our podcast right now. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. And if you love what you hear, we would absolutely love it if you gave us a five-star review. And if you do, we'll give you a shout out on one of our shows in the future. Thank you very much. So let's talk about the vital statistics for the track today. Uh, we are obviously off to Circuit Paul Ricard uh, in France. We've been racing there since 1971, uh, off and on. Obviously, we've had years of breaks, years where we've gone to Magny Cours uh, and other tracks in France. Um, but yeah, we were there at Paul Ricard for the last three years, the fourth year this year that, that we'll be uh, at Paul Ricard uh, since it came back onto the calendar, obviously barring the COVID year where we didn't race there at all. Um, We are going to have 53 laps of a circuit length of 5.842 kilometres, which means there's a total race distance of 309.69 kilometres. The current lap record is held by Sebastian Vettel, who did it in 2019 um, for in 1 minute 32.740 seconds. So Coops, who do you think will perform well at Paul Ricard in France? I mean, it's hard to look past Red Bull. I mean, it's just consistent. They haven't had too many issues, but in the very start of the season, they had a couple of reliability things going on. Mm. Uh, Verstappen just seems to be maturing as a driver and just getting faster and faster. Uh, So I don't see how they they won't be at the front. Uh, I would like to think Mercedes might get near the front, but the biggest problem for them is if they're Corpus and Bouncing isn't sorted. They ain't going to be anywhere because it's too long a straight. Because uh, they'll need to do some work on balance and stuff if it gets too bad. Uh, and usually that means you're raising the right height. You raise the right height, you lose put down force, you lose performance. Uh, you see, my, my money's on my money's on Mercedes this weekend. I know um, they might not necessarily be at the front, but I, I do see them on the podium. Um, but they were really strong at Silverstone. Obviously, this is probably quite similar to Silverstone in that it's uh, medium and high-speed corners. Uh, it's a really, really smooth surface that's going to really mm. kind of help them out. Um, and they've got the most reliable engine uh, so far. Um, they haven't actually had any reliability issues with their specific engines um, for the team. Um, and I just think they're on that upward spiral. I don't necessarily think they'll win every race or and we'll see the dominance that they previously had but I do think they're going to be in contention. So my money's on them to be kind of pushing Red Bull, uh, at least, at the very least, this weekend. I mean, they're the third fastest car, and they've kind of established that. So I'm not saying that they're not they're, they're going to be like ninth, tenth, and, you know, bottom of the, the points. I just don't think with the length of that straight, with the deficit that they've got to Red Bull and Ferrari, that they're going to be quite up there. But they'll be there or thereabouts, I would imagine. Yeah, I would be surprised if they're not. I mean, as you say, the smoothness of that track is always going to be a plus for the Mercedes package. Great. So uh, we can all but hope. Uh, Ferrari, and, that, and that's uh, not because we're, we're Mercedes fans. That's just because we want more competition. You know, we want uh, Red Bull not to be able to run away with it. We know the Ferrari, the Ferrari's quick. The Ferrari's very quick. So we just want more more teams in contention, don't we? 
Well, that's it. Uh, Ferrari is a quick car. They've built a very quick qualifying car, which is kind of fragile race car, uh, which is going to hurt them in the long term. Uh, by the looks of things, the reliability is no longer an issue for Verstappen and Red Bull. Uh, so, you know, if they don't get the reliability sorted, Red Bull's just going to run away with it. Uh, it's just we don't really want to see that. We don't want to see the titles pretty much sorted with seven or eight races to go. You know, you want it down to near the wire. You want to have something. Uh, so, you know, further down the field, uh, Alfred and Mayo seem to be doing reasonably well. The uh, last couple of races, Mick Schumacher and Haas have got themselves up and had some good chunks of points. Uh, I think the one to watch will be Williams because Alex Albon got the upgrades to his car last race. And Latifi's getting it now, so both cars will have these, the massive upgrade package for the French Grand Prix. Uh, Albon did say it was an improvement, but it made the car harder to drive. Uh, so if we see Latifi fly, flying off into the, the painted strips, we know why. Uh, so they'll be in, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Uh, you know, uh, the other team, Aston Martin and McLaren, uh, you just don't know which car's going to turn up. You know, one minute they're up there fighting in the top 10, you know, eighth nights, you know, Lando's six, you know, uh, Aston Martins are getting in, in amongst the points of the top 10 positions. And then other races, you know, they're not getting out of Q1 or they're struggling in 13th and 14th. So they're a, uh, it's, it's going to be a difficult rest of the season for those two teams, I think. So let's, let's go into some of those that you've just mentioned then. So Ferrari, obviously, he's got, you, you said he's got a fast car. Uh, out of the two drivers, you'd obviously favour uh, Charles Leclerc for this, this kind of race. Um, but, you know, you can't rule out Carlos after his performance, um, uh, you know, in Silverstone. Obviously, not necessarily the great performance uh, in Austria because of his, well, his performance was fine, but the car reliability wasn't. Um, so he's, he's going to have to bounce back after a kind of that failure, would you pick Charles Leclerc over Carlos Sainz for this this circuit, Coops? Yes, I think so. Uh, there's not much between them. Uh, Charles Leclerc's performance uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix to take that win, considering the fact that his throttle wouldn't go back to 0%, so he was sitting, you know, the throttle would come back and he was having to go through corners at 30%. Throttle, you know, that's, that's a scary situation when you're expecting your car to go to zero when you're going into a corner, or, you know, and he still managed it. So, you know, he, he undoubtedly he has the talent and he's a good driver. Uh, it's just Ferrari to give him something. But yeah, he just has that slight edge, I think, over Carlos just now. Uh, although Carlos is getting better at it, you know, he's won a race, he was up in second, as you say, retired through no fault of his, his own. You know, when the Ferrari engine decided it was going back to Maranello uh, without any help from Mendy, it was just leaving. Uh, it, it made a good effort to try and get through the bodywork for that car. Uh, but, you know, there's not a lot a driver can do in that situation. And even the post-race the post uh, race comments, he said, look, there was no warning, it just went. There's nothing you can do to, to sort that. And he showed that he was there, he was, he was second, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. So, you know... It, he needs to be in within a couple of tenths, I think. If he's in within a couple of tenths of Leclerc or even, you know, Nick and Paul, or, you know, uh, I think it gives Ferrari a bit of a quandary of what they do with it. But in all honesty, I think Ferrari, they kind of need to make a decision now of who they want to put their, their, their eggs in which basket. Uh, 
because you know it's clear that Red Bull have picked for staff, and I mean that's never going to change. So you know I think they now need to kind of start thinking that the strategy needs to swing towards Leclerc a bit more. They need to be a bit more serious with it because if the car's so fragile, they need to maximise points, but they need to maximise points with one person. If it's possible to do it, they need to do it. You know, if Sainz is in first and Leclerc's in third, and there's a red goal in between. You know, there's nothing they can do with that. They just have to get on with it. Maybe try and slow Sainz down to let, you know, let Leclerc try and pass the car in front. Maybe if that's a possibility. But, you know, if there's a situation where they're one, two, and Sainz is in first and uh, Leclerc's second, they need to swap it and they need to be definitive about it now. Uh, they don't have the fallback of having a reliable car. So they have to maximise the, the, the points on offer and they have to do it not for the team but for the driver if they want to be if they want to be considered legitimate contenders to Red Bull. Uh, so that's their thing. But then as we know, Ferrari know how to Ferrari things up, as they say, which they've done quite a few times this season. <laughs> uh, Monaco. <clears throat> so It'll definitely be interesting. So you spoke about McLaren. Who, who do we expect to do well? Is it going to be a similar story to uh, what we've seen already this year? Lando Norris performing as best as he could, but maybe with the car not being as as, as good as it as the team would want it to be, uh, and kind of Danny Rick kind of flailing around in the in the, the bottom ten. Um, or, or do you expect them to move forward? I don't expect them to move forward. I mean, I don't think the team expected to be a big jump. To be honest, uh, faster, medium, medium. Uh, speed corners seem to be an issue they, they have a quite high drag car as far as I remember so that long straight is not going to be good for them either mm. McLaren aren't bringing any major updates they're working with what package they've got which going by what we've seen so far for the first half of the season isn't great uh, and there's nothing there's nothing in any of the recent races or anything that makes me wonder that Ricardo's going to do anything other than what Ricardo does uh, he doesn't have the confidence in the car. The car doesn't have the confidence in him. Uh, Norris knows how to work the car. Uh, so I would expect Norris to be where he's normally at, you know, kicking in and, in and amongst the points. But then again, with McLaren's season being the way it is, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out, they get knocked out in Q1 because that's just the season. That's just how it works. Yeah. Uh, it Which is not great for us, but never mind. No, it's not. <laughs> but, you know... Such is life. As, as a uh, McLaren fan this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's the new the new regs. There was always teams that were going to get it right. There was teams that were going to get it wrong. McLaren, Aston Martin seem to be a team that, that have pretty much got it wrong. Um, mm. Aston Martin have uh, had to redo... They've kind of redesigned their philosophy a few, a few races in... Um, and for any of the kind of longer term listeners, when we had scarves on at the start of the season, he actually picked Aston Martin as the one that, had, that he was concerned about mm. in terms of the philosophy they went down, which yeah. seemed to be uh, foreshadowing what was to come because it ended up being uh, a philosophy that didn't work because they, they turned out a car that looked similar to the Red Bull car, uh, or parts of it at least. Didn't make much of a difference. They're still pretty much kicking it out of the bottom half of the table and probably will for the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for both those kind of British esque teams. They're not British in ownership, I suppose, but they're British. They're British. Players. They're as yeah. British as you can get. Let's talk about Red Bull then. Um, Perez, historically, how's he done here uh, in France? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I, I haven't seen anything. 
or anything in my head that makes me think that uh, he's been particularly bad. Uh, but you know, having the that Red Bull behind underneath you, mm. it's difficult to see how you wouldn't be. Uh, you know, I mean, Perez is doing exactly what he's designed to do. Uh, the last race until the one he was stopped, so it was Verstappen, Hamilton, and Perez. Verstappen mm-hmm. uh, getting the fastest lap, so he, he done pretty much what he was supposed to do there. Yeah. Should they have tried to maybe jump up? It was about five, six seconds behind Hamilton at the end, so maybe not. But, you know, there's not much you can say about Perez other than he does, he's doing what he needs to do. He's never going to be number one mm. unless something drastic happens uh, with uh, Verstappen. He's never yeah. going to be the head man in terms of, uh, you know, leading the charge. But he understands that. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he does the job well. A team that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing compete is Haas. Obviously, after the, you know, the, the the confidence that Schumacher's now got in that car, and obviously Magnussen has always been kind of pretty good in uh, a, a playing around in that in that midfield uh, and scoring good points this year. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Well, how about yourself? Yeah, the last couple of races have done well. Mike Schumacher's got that month off his back and. I think one of the biggest thing a lot of people might have noticed was there was just a couple of shades of Michael Schumacher coming through. Mick, uh, he wasn't impressed during the sprint and why they didn't keep Magnussen slower down uh, a bit slower so they can keep him in DRS so that they could just keep Mick from being passed from behind, which didn't happen. He made it clear you could see that he wasn't happy. You know, and he's getting a bit of confidence back in him, which is you know what you want to see. So it's. Let's hope that that, that has is is able to deal with that track. I would imagine, I don't see how it won't. Uh, but I think they've been struggling a wee bit with reliability. They've got the French, uh, the French. They've got the Ferrari covered unit uh, in that car, which, as we all know, has got its reliability issues because both them and Alfa Romeo have had some issues with regards to the, to the power unit. So, you know. You know, I think Mick needs to get another good performance and then the opinions will start changing because I think opinions were starting to go down the route of should he actually be in Formula One? Uh, they're now thinking, well, actually, maybe he does. Not quite there yet. I think he needs another two or three races where he's in the points, he gets yeah. a good group of points in. There's no argument with the last couple of races that his race craft is where it needs to be. Yeah, I'm just hoping he, he continues that upward trend because I do think he deserves his seat. And hopefully that means that next year he'll come back in with confidence um, after having some really good results this year. That's that's the plan. That's that's what I'm hoping anyway with Schumacher. Well, I mean, right now he's not. He's still not deserving of his seat in Formula One, but he's doing what he needs to do to make people think he deserves it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a report card from uh, if you check out the socials, um, and I still put him down kind of like in the E. Uh, in the D slash E section of the report card and people were yes. like, oh no, after his recent performance, he's going to be up there in CD. I said, no, 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 he needs to yeah. remain down there because he's, yes, he's had two good races, but let's let's be honest, it's two good races. It doesn't make up for the, the lackluster performance that he started this year with. Well, lackluster as well last year. So, you know, I mean, we can't say too much because the hash was awful, but, mm. you know, he spun under a safety car. Uh, then this year he's wrote off two hash cards. Uh, exactly. By, by making mistakes. So it's uh, it, 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 we can't we can't when looking at the season so far we can't kind of forget that he did do all those things. Um, so yeah, he, he, I still think he's around the, the kind of 
I haven't put him in F, but I put him in E, I think it was. Um, and people were like, yes, oh, no, he, he needs to be up. He needs to be up a few a few grades. And I'm like, yes, not yet. Did. He's on his way. You did get a few comments on that. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, you did. I think one person actually said you've never watched Formula One or something at one point. It's like, okay. <laughs> so we, we, we gave them a blank one and said, well, you do one then. Uh, and you never, you never did, <laughs> which is interesting. It, uh, it, the thing is, the thing is, everyone's going to have their own opinion and that sort of thing. I'm happy to, to be challenged on those. I'm, my, my opinion is not the be all and end all. Um, but I do like to kind of put it out there for people to see that's that's on there i'm sure you'll do one at some point won't you keep i shall yes i was just thinking about that because i'd forgot so i might do one after we've done this podcast i might jump on and fire it on the socials and let uh, people uh, rip me a new one as they try to do it yourself <laughs> which, is, which is all part and parcel of the game yeah it's all fun so we don't mind that we put our opinion out there for people to criticize that's exactly what we're doing um we're happy to do that but yeah i, I say i think schumacher he's on his up but you need to continue on that form before we consider him, you know, worthy of his place in, in Formula One. But uh, he's certainly on the way to being that way, I think. Should we talk about... Did we, did you, you mentioned Alfa Romeo. Obviously, Alfa Romeo are, again, really good this year. Uh, Valtteri Bottas is, is kind of shown us exactly what he could always do and was always, you know, had the ability to do um, with within that he was doing it in the Mercedes, but he's doing it for Alfa Romeo. Um, he's he's putting his car where it needs to be, where at the, at the best possible position that that that, that car can perform. Um, and he's been a good number one actually for that team. Um, yeah, I mean he's never. I don't think anyone can really argue too much about how how he is as a driver, even when he was in teammate to Lewis Hamilton, because you know it's it's Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, there's not really many people that are going to do anything close to what Lewis Hamilton does when he's got the equipment behind him and he's you know he's in the group. Yeah. So yeah, Bottas is doing well. Joe Guanyu is he's surprised me because he's came in and he doesn't look out of place. He hasn't done he hasn't done what Sonoda did, you know, kind of mm. flattered to deceive. You had that Bahrain Grand Prix, it was great. And then he started making really stupid rookie errors and yeah. I don't actually remember off the top of my head anything that Joe's done that. I mean it's either been mechanical, okay he's made maybe errors but nothing you're like oh and he and if he has made an error he fixed it and he's yeah. got out there and he's done what he's need to do and to have a decent car underneath them you know you can't you can't argue that you know no so and and, and he although he didn't get in the points uh in austria uh, he didn't it didn't look like he was kind of uh too shaky after his accident uh silverstone the race before it didn't look like it was affecting him so Hopefully that does mean that he'll still be kind of where he was, maybe sneaking the odd point here and there, um, and just putting in solid performances for that team. Well, I think I think the team has probably told him, you know, we had that massive accident, which to be fair, it looked worse than it was. You, you want accidents like Martin Brundle said it or during the coverage of the race that you wanted. If accidents last longer. Are usually more survivable because you know energy dissipates as it goes on. It's the sudden hit and the sudden stops that cause the kinetics to be a damage to people and drivers. Mm. But the way that he was kind of trapped in the car for quite a while, that was an awkward place to get out. Uh, you know, it's still a big accident. It's still something you had to go through. Yeah. And I would imagine that the teams probably said, you know what, just get out there and just race with no expectation on you. You know, we were happy you're able to race you've not got any kind of bone and broken bones or anything worse so just go out there and do what you can you know 
it was unfortunate that the next race he had to go to was the, the sprint because mm. I think it would have been better for him to just go through his FP1, 2, 3, just slowly build himself back up. But he had to do FP1, then it was qualifying, then it was FP2, then it was a sprint. Uh, but, you know, qualified for, he, he was four, what was it? He was 18th in P1, he's qualifying for the sprint, he qualified 18th. Then the sprint race, he finished 14th, and then in the race, he finished 14th. You can't really ask much more. He's kept the car in the road. He's got involved in a bit of a battle, and he was involved mm. in that big battle. I think it was, uh, I think that was the one with Lando Norris. There was like five of them, Gasly. He was involved. In, yeah, they're all going around. You know, yeah. Yeah. swapping places. And, you know, so he got stuck in. He didn't just kind of amble along at the back. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't so, seem to knock his confidence. So uh, well, he, he grew into it over the weekend. I think you noticed he wasn't too comfortable and too confident with the car in the, the early stages of the weekend. But you know, by the time we got to the race, he was kind of back onto it. Uh, and now you can have that as a you can kind of forgive Austria and leave that one. You don't need to worry about that one now. But it, you know, France, let's push on. Let's get back. Let's you know. He's probably forgot about it the time he got out of the car in Britain, but, you know, in the back of his head, lock it away now. It's the French Grand Prix now. Let's just, you know, move on. He's got a decent car underneath him. You know, let's see if he can get himself into the points, get a couple of points, because I don't think he's been in the points recently. Uh, let's speak about Alpine then. Alpine, uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've been a strong contender, actually. Uh, you know, quietly kind of getting on with things. Alonso is Alonso. He get the best out of anything that he's driving. Um, like I said before, he could probably drive a washing machine around a track uh, and at least get into the points because he's just that sort of driver. Uh, and Esteban Ocon too, uh, you know, but both performing well. Obviously, Esteban Ocon will be at home, so he'll be looking to, you know, make something of his home race. Uh, I'm expecting kind of, you know, maybe seventh, eighth from them. Do you agree, Coops? Yes, you can't really see much more than that. I think they'll go a bit higher if the Mercedes has an issue you know, if their package, being that how sensitive that package is, uh, if they just don't quite get it right, uh, or it falls outside their premium, their optimum kind of window, uh, you know, they could probably go a bit higher. But yeah, you know, really about the sixth, eighth, I think is where they need to be. Just say, Alpine have quietly got on with their business. Ocon, as much as I didn't like him, he started to show quietly and he's, he, he kind of, he definitely deserves to be there. Uh, he's just, you don't, he's a weird one. You don't realise, like, you don't see him during the race most of the time. And then at the end, he's sick. You're like, oh, where did that come from? All right. Mm. Uh, and Alonso's just Alonso. Uh, he's still he's still fast enough. He's still able to race up to the front. If Alpine keep building on what they've got, which is a solid car and a solid foundation, just get them that wee bit more speed, that wee bit more stability in the car. You know, he could he could arguably see them fighting up near the front and maybe pinching a wee a wee podium here or there if uh, you know if there's a wee bit of shenanigans or some mm. attrition for some some other car. Okay, well, I think we've spoken about most people. Uh, you've spoken about Williams. Spoken about Williams. Um, I think we've, I think we've touched on every team actually. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. uh, Alpha Tauri. Um, Pierre Gasly and Tsunoda. Uh, the trouble with those, they, they've been pretty anonymous all season. So yeah. if they've been anonymous from our podcast, that's probably just related to the fact that they're, they're not really up to much on track at the moment. Gasly's been off his, off, off his usual kind of form. 
Um, and to know that, oh, it's, it's actually it's doing better than his previous year, but still, you know, the odd spin here, there, the odd, you know, mistakes. And they're having these psychologists, aren't they, come speak to him um, to try and get him out of his own head or whatever to try and help his performance. So let's hope that kind of brings something positive for him. Yeah, I mean, the Alpha Tony Carl just it's weird. Again, it's, it's it's a strange one. They're just it's just not there, and I don't know if they know why it's not there. I don't, you know, it's it's just not something obvious. Like Mercedes have a fast car if they stop bouncing. Mm. Ferrari would be a challenger if the reliability was fixed. Whereas Alpha Tauri, it's like what is it? You know, you know, it's it's very it's it's slightly worse than the the Aston Martin McLaren situation where their cars just. They've went a slightly wrong philosophy. Uh, they just not got it quite right. And Alpha Tauri are very similar to that, but it's their fall. Same McLaren and Alpha Tauri are similar in their the drop off because you know mm. Alpha Tauri were up there pushing for the fourth fastest. You know once McLaren kind of shook them off, they were in amongst it. You know, and they just haven't been as you say, been largely anonymous. Sonoda's uh, not quite as crashy as he was last year. Uh, and he seems to be building his about he's building his consistency. Although Red Bull have hired someone to help him with anger, uh, mm-hmm. he does come across as rather angry young man when he's on the radio. <laughs> uh, like, but that could be mate. a trans- translation issue as well. It's not it's yeah. not his first language, is it? It's not, you know, and maybe that's as you see, maybe that's part of it. You know, it's the tone that he uses. Maybe that's just how he is. You know, maybe he isn't angry. He just comes across as angry. You don't, but. You know, if you're driving an Alpha Tauri, it's not exactly doing what you want it to do. You know, I'd probably be a wee bit frustrated as well. But, you know, uh, I, I haven't even seen anything in the pipeline for upgrades or, you know, updates for them. So hopefully they've got some things uh, in the pipeline to try and help kind of push them up in amongst the battle with the McLaren and the Alpine. Uh, and they obviously try and get a bit of a gap between Aston Martin because, you know, it's certainly not going to be Haas that's the second worst team, so... Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's do our predictions for the race weekend this weekend. I uh, just want for you uh, during the podcast, just your top three. Let's just guess the podium. Uh, so pick pick your podium, Coops. Verstappen, Leclerc, Hamilton. I'm going to say I'm going to go for it. You know, say it will be a Hamilton win with a Verstappen second and a George Russell third. A double for Mercedes. A double for Mercedes on the double double on double podium for the Mercedes team. It'll be the first time this year. But I think all the things are lining up for them, I think. Um, this track is going to suit them because it's medium high speed and very smooth. They'd be moving forward anyway. Uh, reliability's been bang on really for them. Um, I just think it's I think it's time. I think it's time. And I want to sit in there just to just to keep the season interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about some any news articles that we need to do uh, to talk about. I think there was, a, there was one that I spotted just this morning. Uh, Nick DeVries is taking a free practice one session uh, from Lewis Hamilton this weekend in France. So we're going to see Nick in the Formula One car, which, you know, I think that's a great call for them to get him in. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's the reigning Formula E champion. He is a Mercedes uh, young driver. driver. He's a yeah, young driver. So, you know... It's not much of a surprise. No. Uh, he, was, he was going to get something at some point. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Mercedes do have to start looking at life past Hamilton. He's got maybe a couple of years left in his in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, 
potentially this could be his last season if he decides, you know, if he doesn't manage to win a race, which would be the first year since he started Formula One, he's not won at least one race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he might decide, you know, I think I'm kind of sorted before he starts fizzling out and just wambling, you know, lapping like a Kimi Raikkonen down the back. I think he might just decide to let it go. Uh, he might give it one more shot. I don't know. Uh, I think he's contracted to end the next year as far as well. Um, yeah, I think he is. I think he's, he's, yeah. he's got the contract. Uh, it was a two-year deal last time uh, at the end of the season. But again, all, all these things are negotiable, aren't they? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Hamilton's not exactly uh, short of a few bobs, so I'm sure he can <laughs> sort out a kind of payment plan to get out of his contract if he wants to be. Uh, <laughs> I do think that Mercedes will know well in advance of us knowing. I think he would make it very clear. Uh, yeah that he's not returning or this is my last year and they would have plans very much in advance uh, and I think that would be an interesting you know silly season to see who they decide to go for in the, for the next generation of the next era of Formula 1 without arguably one of the best drivers uh, on the grid um, I think he'll be here next year though I think he'll be the, I, I, I honestly think he's still got a couple of years left in him personally um, because I mean look look at look at people like Kimi Räikkönen they were around for years and years and years um, if and I, I think Mercedes have noted that they'd probably keep him for as long as he wanted a seat. So yes, Mercedes will, will always. If, if Hamilton wants to drive in that car, Mercedes will let him drive in that car. Mm. Uh, and the money so I he think goes, it'll be down to him basically yeah, when he, when he wants to go. Yeah, it's all the cards are on uh, and his, uh, you know, in his hands. You know, it's his fate to decide. Uh, but you know, does he want to be somebody that was once great and then he's down the back and kind of lost the step. Not to say that he has lost the step, but I don't see him. I don't <laughs> think he'll do a Kimi Raikkonen and race for the sake of it. If he's not racing at the front, he will not stay in Formula One. And if Maybe. he's not got the faith in Mercedes to sort their issues out with the, the car this year for next year, you know, I would imagine he might. He might say at the end of this season, look, or at the start of next season, I'm not signing another contract. I'm going to retire. We'll probably not know until halfway through the year. Mm. Uh, and as you say it's one of those ones where I wouldn't be surprised if he stays on and signs maybe another year deal I wouldn't be surprised if he goes Uh, I think we're at that point in his lifespan for Formula 1 where we're kind of ready for either or and the fact that Nick is getting a go uh, in a free practice is good obviously it gives us that opportunity to see and it gives Mercedes that opportunity to see and look to the future uh, about who would replace him so good news to, to Nick and I'll be certainly keeping my eyes peeled on free practice one to see how he does uh, in that car. Uh, any other news articles that you want to talk about, Coops? Yes, I'm just looking for it. It was Aston Martin have announced a, a, a major uh, investment uh, from Saudi Arabia, surprisingly enough. Ah, yes. And we, we discussed this in, uh, in the chat, I think. Uh, I said, is this, the, uh, is this the slow selling off of Aston Martin that Stroll probably, because he knows not necessarily Stroll Jr., um, Lance, will be able to compete in the sport much more, basically. Does that well, make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> I know what you mean. He wouldn't be in the seat Formula 1 if it wasn't for the fact that Stad owns that team. But anyway, yeah. the, the investment from the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund was quoted from Lawrence Stroll as being a game-changing event. Now, I had to look into this, and it's not the investment into Aston Martin Formula One team. It's investment into the Aston Martin group. Oh, okay, it's so all, of, all encompassing. 
It's the Aston Martin Lagonda holding, which is for anybody who doesn't know, Lawrence Stroll and his group of investors bought the Aston Martin, you know, car side of it, for the, you know, production side for buying the, you know, for making the Aston Martins and things, which have been made famous for films like James Bond and stuff. And then as part of that deal, he then rebadged, the, which was Racing Point, which used to be Force India into Aston Martin, basically as a, as a giant advertising to his car brand. And anybody who watched the launch of the new car, they saw all these new cars for Aston Martin getting launched out. So it's, it's a, it's a kind of overall investment. Mm. Uh, it's it's this, uh, equity financing and strategic investment from Saudi's public investment fund. No idea what that means. Uh, mm. So it stabilizes things. Do I think this is Stroll deciding that he's done with Formula One? No, not quite. He, he has a. He's still building off the. Uh, building up the new factory. He's got a five or six year plan uh, to you know for Formula One and where he wants the team to go. However, I think he needs. He will. I think if next year is the same as it has been. For, for this year and if they're down the bottom of the the bottom end of the grid, you you might find them to be a wee bit more disillusioned with how things are going. May start limiting the investment that he brings in personally. But you know, uh, it's always it's usually you're only as good as your last season do. We will see. We shall see how that unfolds and how it affects the uh, ownership uh, of this team and and obviously the drivers on the grid uh, for that team. Uh, as we obviously go into the future, um, still early days yet, though, uh, and it could, as as you say, uh, remain uh, unchanged also uh, for the team too. Any other news articles that you want to chat about? Uh, there's nothing jumping out at me. Just a wee quick shifty, do some left-handed goodling as we speak. Uh, there, there has been some changes to the regulations in regards to porpoising. Uh, or how to limit it for next year. They're changing the height of the floor or the minimum height of the floor. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, porpoising is to do with aerodynamic stalling for these ground effect cars. Uh, the Formula One uh, FIA is introducing an aerodynamic oscillation metrics from the Belgian Grand Prix, which is what we discussed, was supposed to be for the French Grand Prix and they delayed it to the Belgian Grand Prix, yeah, uh, yeah. which is to help limit the flexi floor uh, phenomenon or uh, the kind of Suspicions that some teams are using the flex are making the floors flex more flexible than they should be. Should mm-hmm. only flex to a maximum of two millimeters. I think they're flexing more than that. But from next year, there's going to be a minimum uh, if I can find it. But they are looking at changing uh, the way that the floor works around about the rear wheel and lim- lifting it a wee bit higher. The higher you lift the floor, the less porpoising you get, but the less downforce you get. But I think what will happen is if every car ends up with the similar the similar minimum sort of uh, levels, then everyone has that issue with the downforce and just have to work around it. But then we don't have the porpoising, and if the porpoising gets bad, it can be a health issue, a safety issue. Uh, we all seen it in the Baku from how bad it was the Baku, how bad Hamilton suffered, mm-hmm. uh, where he couldn't really he was struggling to get out the car. Other drivers came up, uh, came out and said afterwards that they were having some issues. Uh, so you know, it's it's good that Formula One came out. The regulations, on a whole, ninety percent have been pretty much good. We've got closer racing. Uh, they seem to be a lot sturdier. They look amazing, but the porpoising was the, probably the biggest problem 
they've managed to, they've, they've came up with an idea to fix it. Don't know how much it's going to do for the Belgian Grand Prix in this kind of interim fix, uh, and hopefully the new kind of regulations for next year uh, should hopefully alleviate it more or less completely, at mm-hmm. least to the point where it's not the issue that we've seen this year with the uh, especially on the Mercedes. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, yeah, that's pretty much just sums up the, the news. It's been quite a quiet week, but we've got some racing coming up, uh, both in France and Hungary. So we've got, I'm sure, loads to talk about next week. So we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for coming to chat to me today, Coops. No, to bother, anything. Uh, we are the Everything F1 podcast. We are also Everything F1 in general. So you can find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com and on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok um, at the handle at joinef one uh, We also love it if you can subscribe to our podcast, hit that bell, hit the subscribe, share it with your friends, let everyone know all about the Everything F1 team and all the great interviews that we do have. Um, we've got loads coming up in the future. We've got uh, Jehan Deruvela, um, we've got Chris McCarthy coming up soon. We, we, we've got loads uh, coming up in the in the not too distant future. So uh, keep your eyes peeled and uh, your ears open uh, for our future podcasts. I've been James Tiller. This has been Coops. Thanks very much. Thank you. We, we'll speak to you next week when we review the French Grand Prix. Let's hope it's a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.